place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Good to be with you here on this Monday edition of the show. Uh, I am down here in Tampa Bay, Florida, ready to take in the Shrine Week, and uh, it's an important stop on the NFL Draft scouting uh, circuit, if you will, here with the Shrine Game this week, Senior Bowl next week in Mobile, Alabama. And so uh, we are keeping the, the train rolling here with Lockdown Bills with uh, a lot of different things that I want to cover today. We're going to start off by getting into some of the uh, some of the news around the league that affects the Bills, uh, as well as a little fun topic that uh, came up in some discussions that I had with some of my coworkers at the draft network and then state of the roster with the tight ends it's a it's a smaller position group only three players on the roster and so I uh, won't have as much to dig into there in terms of the volume of players that we're going to cover but we'll cover them in depth as we have the quarterbacks and running backs to this point so uh, let's get into our first topic today which is the relevant news around the NFL that pertains to the Buffalo Bills and there are two coaches that are uh, close to agreeing to terms with with new teams the first being former Bills head coach Greg Williams uh, he is rumored to be close to signing a deal to become the New York Jets defensive coordinator um, Interesting in that him and Adam Gase are such big egos, big personalities, and, and guys that don't necessarily rub everybody the right way. We talked about Gase last week and how you know his mannerisms and his body language and the way he interacts with the media and players, it kind of seems funky. Now, I mean, now you've got another guy in Greg Williams who, who is just like that, where you know, he's a very pompous guy, a very arrogant guy. Um, but at the same time, you have to respect his his resume of, of good defenses in the NFL. So uh, I get it from that perspective. But I mean, we are we are starting to get some situations here with the Jets coaching staff where you look at at this group and you think we have some big loud personalities, or not necessarily loud, but big personalities with big egos, and you just kind of wonder how all that works together. Um, we'll see what they do at offensive coordinator, but uh, with, with the way things are trending, some of the jokes about Todd Haley being a target because of the, the, the you know the personality ego type fit that you get from Gase and, and Williams, it's it's kind of interesting. So, uh, as of the recording of this podcast at twelve twenty on Sunday afternoon. That deal is not done, but it seems like all indications are that Greg Williams will become the next defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. Also, the Miami Dolphins are lasering in on Brian Flores to be their next head coach. He's a uh, he's the next Bill Belichick disciple that looks to be getting a chance to be an NFL head coach. Hasn't been a lot of good... Uh, a good fruit from that Belichick coaching tree, if you will, in terms of being head coaches. Uh, Flores is a guy that's been with the team, I think, for like almost 15 years. He started off in the scouting department, has worked his way up to the linebackers coach, been around Belichick, been around a lot of good football teams. I mean, so uh, there's a there's a lot uh, to, you know, if, if, if the Belichick 
if the Belichick legacy and being able to replicate those things is going to work elsewhere, I guess you have a guy that's seen it uh, very intimately for a long time. So we'll see if that works out. It sounds like the best thing about him is that he's a culture guy. And he's a guy that can truly be that CEO. So we kind of talked about that with some of these other hires about, you know, leadership, accountability, setting the tone, setting standards, you know, setting a culture, building a culture. Maybe you get a younger guy here in Flores, but a guy that maybe has that pedigree uh, that you feel comfortable about and, and not necessarily going to be an overly uh, you know, involved with scheme and those types of things. He's going to trust his assistant, but he, he can be that true leader and CEO. So there's kind of some mixed feelings with all of these head coaching things. we got to wait and see uh, how they all go, and they all de- deserve a chance to, uh, to get where, you know, to, to materialize and see what happens. But uh, and I think there's some intrigue here with Flores and, and to see what he can do, specifically because I've been preaching leadership, accountability, CEO-type mentality from head coaches. And it seems like that's the direction that uh, you know Flores can go with Miami. Uh, the next nugget I want to mention is Tyree Jackson, uh, Buffalo Bulls quarterback. He is going to be at the Senior Bowl. Normally, the quarterback, on, on, or excuse me, normally the Senior Bowl only brings eight quarterbacks, but they are going to have a ninth spot available for Tyree Jackson, and he's accepted that invitation. And so he'll be in Mobile next week, which I think is a very, very big and good opportunity for him to you know showcase himself in front of the NFL world. Um, there were some rumors that he was going to transfer uh, to a different college, and then you know he winds up declaring for the draft. And since he's a senior and he's graduated, or well, he's not necessarily a senior, but he's graduated, uh, he'll have a chance to be in the Senior Bowl. And, I, and look, I mean, it's a really big stage. Um, everybody's here. The whole, whole whole entire NFL world is in Mobile, and they'll, he'll get to work intimately with with NFL coaching staff. Uh, and see how he does. Uh, he's he's very raw. I mean, you can watch Tyree Jackson play, and you can see a really exciting physical st- skill set. He's big. Uh, he, he's he's a guy that can whip the ball down the field. You know, as far as he can challenge the deepest windows on the on the field. He can hit throws on the move. I mean, his best throws are just really outstanding. But if you watch him play, there's there's a lot of consistency that needs to be developed in terms of how he wins from structure, hits throws in rhythm, diagnoses coverages, throws accurately. His his mechanics are about as funky as I've ever seen. So there's a lot of work needed here with Jackson. But for him to you know for him to get a team to buy in and take a risk on those physical traits and think, hey, I've got something to work with here. I've got a legitimate chance to develop something here. I think him going to the Senior Bowl and accepting that invite is going to be good and big for him, and uh, we'll keep close tabs on him next week in Mobile, and I'll be sure to give you the you know my, my feedback on what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing with my own eyes at practices next week. All right, so I'm down here in, in Tampa. And I'm sitting in the in the living room, and Trevor Sikkim is in the living room. He's uh, one of my coworkers at Draft Network, along with Kyle Krabs. And we were uh, just kind of having some discussion before the playoff games on Saturday and got down to the idea of discussing if you were going to uh, assemble a starting five-man lineup uh, from your football team and play basketball with them, which players at each position would you – Choose And so I, I wanted to share you with you my picks for the Bills. I actually put this on Twitter so you may see my picks. But I want to give you my picks. That way we can have some interaction and hear from you on who you would pick as your players if you were going to assemble a starting basketball lineup with Bills players. At point guard, I have Trey White. 
obviously the quickness and, and I think his ability to direct I think would be really good in terms of playing point guard. Jordan Poyer, shooting guard, I want him as my two. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know if he can play basketball or shoot or not, but I feel like he, I think he's smooth and I think that uh, he's a guy that if I thought has a good jump shot on the team, I thought it would be Jordan Boyer. So I went with him. Tremaine Edmonds at small forward. I mean, length, athleticism, you know, he can guard. I'm sure he can defend. I mean, he'd be a really good, you know, you know, wing in terms of that athleticism and length. Josh Allen is my power forward for very obvious reasons. And then Logan Thomas at center. Uh, just a lot of athleticism and size and length there uh, to be able to bang uh, underneath the rim there. So Trey White, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Evans, Josh Allen, Logan Thomas would be my starting five uh, Bills players if I were to assemble a basketball team with only Bills players. So hit me up on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'd be curious who you would choose as your starting front five or starting uh, five there uh, for a basketball team. All right, now I want to get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, which is the state of the roster, specifically focusing on the tight ends. And uh, it's an interesting group. There's three tight ends on the roster. We're going to get into all of them. Uh, Charles Clay, Jason Kroom, and Logan Thomas. Um, and uh, talk about what these players are and, and if they need to be brought back and, and those types of things. And obviously the signature guy to, to speak about is Charles Clay, who – uh, I think maybe people have a lot of mixed emotions about what he's been for the Bills. Uh, he came into, you know, as the big free agent acquisition from Miami. He signed a five-year, $38 million contract back before the 2015 season. And, and you know, you, you look at his time as a Buffalo Bill, we're not going to speak highly of, his, of the 2018 version of Charles Clay. He, he didn't produce much at all only 184 receiving yards on 21 catches he didn't score a touchdown but if you look at the previous three years before this I think Charles Clay has been a good football player for the Bills over 500 receiving yards uh, in 2015 2016 and 2017 in 2017 he was the Bills leading receiver in 2016 he led the team in receptions and in 2015 he had the second most receptions behind Sammy Watkins in what was Sammy Watkins best year on the team and so I think up until this year those first three years that Charles Clay was in Buffalo I think he was a good and reliable tight end and 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 so whatever you think about Charles Clay right now based on what was a very underwhelming 2018 season let's not forget what this player was for three seasons with the Bills. And so looking at his contract status, like I said, five years, $38 million. He's 29 years old right now. He's actually going to turn 30 on February 13th. So he's not long from uh, from turning, uh, turning 30 years old. So uh, actually just a month away, really. Um, and so the thing about his contract status is that the Bills have an opportunity to get out of this thing. They can cut him this offseason, and uh, his cap hits $9 million, His dead cap is 4.5. So the Bills could literally cut him and save $4.5 million against the cap and get out of his contract early. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. The Bills could keep him around for 2019, and like we've talked about with some other players to this point, it's not like the Bills are in desperate need of cap space. So if you think there's some value in keeping Charles Clay around and letting his contract expire, you, you don't really need to cut him and save that $4.5 million if it doesn't really move the needle and help the team. If, if Charles Clay being, you know, I don't know if you want him to trot him out there as a number one tight end, but if you think there's something left in the tank for him to be uh, number two, number three, veteran on the team, you can do that next year and, and just let his contract expire and not bring him back in 2020. I think one thing we can all agree on is that, 
we've either seen the end of Charles Clay right now or 2019's his last season on the team. Obviously, I don't think he'd be a priority to bring back after the 2019 season if the Bills did choose to keep him around. Uh, really, it just wasn't able to produce this year. Uh, and I mean, the, the production was was really low, as I mentioned. That, that 184 yards was across 13 games. And then when he was targeted, you know, he, the, the Bills quarterbacks only had a 54 passer rating, a, a passer rating of 54 when targeting Charles Clay this season. So he, he just didn't just didn't help this offense. And so maybe we'll you know we'll talk about Jason Kroom here in a second and maybe he can be part of the future of the position but you know every, all things considered the, the the salary the age you know the declining production the rapidly declining production from Charles Clay I don't think about him as a long-term building block for this offense. And so you know like I said the the end's near for Charles Clay it just didn't seem like he can get on the same page with Josh Allen in a lot of ways. I mean Obviously, the, the the pass against Miami there at the end that could have won the game, that stands out. But there was just other times this year where it was a drop and you were thinking about this offense this year and a and, you know, very young team. But the two veterans of the group, or well, I guess really the three veterans of the group going into the season and, and Calvin Benjamin, LaShawn McCoy, and Charles Clay, you thought maybe those would be the guys you can rely on. And I, none of those guys came through. Not, not a, None of those guys. And so Charles Clay... Uh, just you just worry about his ability to produce long term, and so I don't know if he's a priority. But it's look, the end is near for Charles Clay. I thought he gave the Bills three quality seasons at tight end, uh, but uh, you know nothing there long term to get excited about. <clears throat> the guy that there could be a chance in the tight end room to get excited about is Jason Kroom. Uh He is uh, actually uh, he's under contract. For the foreseeable future here, he's under contract in 2019 for a base salary of 570000 and he's an exclusive rights free agent in 2020. So there's no reason to think uh, Jason Kroon wouldn't be part of the mix over the next two seasons. He, uh, he came in, he was actually a wide receiver at Tennessee. And uh, he's made the adjustment over to to, uh, to tight end. And I think it's been a good one. I think this is going to be his home in the NFL. He's 24 years old right now, turns 25 on February 28th. So he's still a young player with some upside and potential given his newness to the position. That's what I kind of like about him is that uh, there, there's a ceiling here to tap into. And he had a really good season for the Bills in terms of you know, just kind of a, in a limited role. He only played 387 snaps. He only played about less than 37% of the snaps this year and gave them some some reps on, on special teams, almost 150 snaps a special team. But he caught 22 passes for 259 yards and a touchdown. And let me tell you something really interesting about uh, Jason Kroom's stats this year is that he averaged 6.3 yards um, after the catch per reception. That's the most on the team for wide receivers and tight ends. The most yards after the catch per reception for wide receivers and tight ends in 2018 was Jason Kroom with 6.3. Pretty remarkable. I, I mean, Robert Foster was at 5.9, uh, Kelvin Benjamin 2.4, Zay Jones 2.3. And so it, it just speaks to the athletic skill set that's present with Jason Kroom. He's a guy that we saw him work the seam. We saw some nice opportunities at the catch point where he went up and got it. But we also saw a guy that can create the ca- after the catch. And so when you have a, a tight end that can win at multiple levels of the field, it really helps with your spacing. And, and so if there's anything to be excited about on this, this roster at the tight end position 
it's Jason Kroom. And so I love that he's a flex guy. You can line him up in a multiple, you know, multiple different spots and get something from him. And so I don't know if he's going to be a dynamic, you know, long-term, just super outstanding receiving threat, but I think that he's one that has upside and, and there's untapped potential with him, and I'm anxious to see how he evolves with this offense uh, with more time with Josh Allen and, of course, Brian Dable. The last tight end to mention is Logan Thomas, whose contract is up. He, he's, he's, uh, he's expired, and he's a restricted free agent, so he's free to sign with any team that he wants to. He obviously could you know, come back to the Bills. He's 27 years old. He turns 28 on July 1st, and um, he's such an interesting player because I had a lot of hope for him. Uh, super athletic, big, long, tight end, but a quarterback. He, he's a quarterback convert. He played quarterback averaging attack he transferred or over to tight end uh in, in his nfl career to find a place to stick and he's done that I, I give him a lot of credit he's 27 years old and he's made a little career for himself playing tight end in the nfl after playing quarterback in college i mean it's not something you see very often um here's the thing he's he's not i wouldn't call him old but if he was really going to emerge as a true flex tight end a guy that can really help your team uh, and be a dynamic threat, I, I think it would happen by now. Um, I do give him a lot of credit because he's, he's lasted a couple seasons with McDermott. He's a, he's a carryover from the previous regime. And, you know, I think that says a lot about him and, and maybe what McDermott believes and sees in him, and maybe he can be a depth player. But I, I don't, you know, I don't know what he's going to be looking for. I'm not sure he can command much in terms of salary. But, um, you know, I, I just – it's going to be interesting because I don't know how high the ceiling is at this point, giving the time he has at a tight end and some of the underwhelming moments. I don't think he's an overly dynamic blocker. I think there was times in the run game specifically where he was a problem and not being able to create space and not being able to hit his block. And again, the receiving skill set is still, it still hasn't shown the ability to really take over in the NFL. I do think he, he probably deserves to continue to be on an NFL roster, but how much of a priority he is to be on this Bills roster, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd really pound the table for him unless it's modest and, not, and he, if he fits and he's a culture guy and those types of things. Uh, he, he, did, he, didn't, he did play special teams. He played 190 special team snaps last year, so that is important when you think about your depth players that they help you on special teams, and, and you got that from Jason Kroom and Logan Thomas, where if you look at Charles Clay, he played one special team snap all year. So it, it, Charles Clay is the start, starting tight end. He should be. He should, he, that's okay. But I like that you have a couple guys in Kroom and Thomas that uh, could be the depth guys that, that give you that special teams upside. So but, you know, kind of the overview of this tight end position, we'll see on Charles Clay. Opportunity to get out of that contract. The end is near anyways. We need a long-term direction for the tight end position. It could certainly be a priority in free agency in the draft, and we will get very specific and detailed into those options here in the coming weeks as we preview free agency. And, of course, the draft will spend a lot of time on. Uh, but Jason Kroom is the guy with the most upside. He's under contract for the next couple seasons. He's young. He's converting over from wide receiver. He's making plays at all three levels uh, in the small doses, and I'm anxious to see if that can expand and him do more. And then Logan Thomas, whose contract's up, and uh, uh, we'll see if he's kind of reached his peak as a player 
uh, and if he's brought back. So there you have it, the state of the roster, tight ends edition. Hope you enjoyed this show getting into a lot of different topics and, and obviously the meat and potatoes of the show being the tight end discussion. We'll be back again for you tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what happens at Shrine Game on Monday, if that's going to be something where I have a lot of takeaways from that that's Bill-specific or if I want to continue the state of the roster. But we'll have something for you that I will work really hard on to make sure it's entertaining and meets that that craving, burning, desire, passion that you have for Buffalo Bills and good analysis all year long. That's what we're going to keep doing for you on the Lockdown Bills podcast. Follow me on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Let's keep the discussion going. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, you want to talk about something, and there's something you want to hear me discuss on the show, be sure to hit me up. I've loved the interaction, and uh, I tried my very best to uh, to incorporate as much as I can, as well as follow that Lockdown Bills Twitter handle handle at Lockdown Bills. Until tomorrow, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Bills.